have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror cult. Exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Welcome to another episode of Astro Radio Z. I feel sorry for you tonight for having to sit here and listen to us talk about Vice Academy 3 and 4. But guess what? I am not a person that gives up when they start something. So unfortunately for me and the fe- my fellow Astro Radio zombies that are on our episode tonight... We had to watch part three and part four of Vice Academy, just like we had to watch 13 fucking witchcraft films last year. (laughs) At least there's only six of them this year of the Vice Academy episodes. So welcome. I'm glad you're back. I'm, I'm sure you're spent dry after our porn parody episode. Now, hopefully you've replenished a little bit of the man juices for tonight's episode of TNA Police Academy hijinks. So with me tonight, I'm missing a few of the people that were on episode uh, one of, and, and you know what? It was a huge episode, and I don't expect everyone to, to constantly be following me and want to sit and watch some of the worst movies of all time, but guess what? It's it's my, my crew, my main crew that stuck with me through 13 films of witchcraft, starting with big gay horror fan, Mr. Brian Kirst. How are you tonight, my friend? I'm all right, my man. It's good to see you. It's been an awfully long time. I think it's been since the Vice Academy episode. <laughs> it has been. It has been. You're holding something against me, aren't you? No, no. I'm just holding out for the good stuff, like Vice Academy 3 and 4. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. I don't even know how to follow that one up. <laughs> Sitting next to him is the big fucking deal, Mr. Glenn Bittner. How you doing tonight, sir? Fuck all these movies. Yeah, that's my sentiment. <laughs> exactly. Did you honestly ever think that anything could possibly be worse than the witchcraft films? <laughs> Do you really think these are worse than the witchcraft films? Oh, I'll let you know what I think about them once we start talking about them properly. But man, this episode, let's let's just say this. The first episode was the first episode of 2015, Vice Academy 1 and 2. It is almost October. Let that sit and roll around in your noggin. Sitting next to Mr. Glenn Bittner is my right-hand man, the man, the myth, the legend, foo drink, king of Wisconsin, Mr. Mark the Movie Man. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> yeah, fuck these movies to the elbow, man. Oh. Uh, I do have no foo drink tonight. I do have not your father's root beer, so I've upgraded. So that, that's what Vice Academy has done to me. It's driven me to drink harder liquor. Harder, harder, harder liquor than a pina colada. What, and it's a hard root beer. Well, this has 5.9 alcohol by volume. My wine product drinks only have like 3.2 alcohol per volume. So if I get a little wild and crazy tonight, you'll, you'll have to excuse me. It'll be the root beer talking. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to have to talk to your wife, and we're going to have to check you in. We're gonna, there's going to have to be an intervention. 
<laughs> no, there's going to be an intervention for the movies that you make me watch. That's what uh, we need an intervention. Well, that's all on you, fuckers. You, you keep following me and keep wanting to do this. So it's all on you. I don't even, I don't take any guilt or any shame in any of this anymore. You keep coming back. That is true. Thanks for having me back. Oh, I love that you guys keep coming back, especially Mr. Paul Salzer. He he came in, you know, and he took part one and two on the chin. Now I'm really worried about what he thinks about these two films. How are you doing tonight, Paul? Okay, I I wish I was 20 years younger because I would have appreciated these films better 20 years ago when I actually had like hormones. Oh man, I don't even know if 20 years ago I could have like, other than Elizabeth Caton and her yeah. wonderful breasts, I really don't know. Oh oh god, oh, I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it. Save it. And yes. Save that. Save that. That energy, like, like, dude, go tantra on this here, man. <laughs> like, just, like <laughs> bottle it up. <laughs> oh my gosh! It'll be next tantra. October when we're done. Tantra yeah, days. basically, no. It'll be like five minutes because I won't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> Last but not least, you heard him right there. It's Astro Radio Z sleaze fiend himself, Mr. Scott <laughs> Davis. Tonight, sir, are you in heaven? Wow, I'm a sleaze fiend by the standards of this show. <laughs> that's 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 an accomplishment. I'm going to tell my mom. <laughs> well, you kind of you kind of uh, got that name from the horror por- uh, parodies episode. I, I I have a lot of I have a lot of background <laughs> info. Um, and I'm also I just uh, so I can like for the people who had not listen to the first episode so I can like put it up front at like full disclosure Derek asked like for you know franchises uh, which we would vote for on what we would cover this year because we did the witchcraft which was like a bear last year <laughs> and um I suggested Vice Academy so I'm the one who suggested these movies uh, however I take only partial blame because y'all voted for them yeah, <laughs> this right. is very true, and I encouraged the vote to yeah. sway this way. So, uh, unfortunately, I I have only myself to blame for well, the decisions that I well, made. Well, you know, you know, my feelings towards the first two are actually quite fond. So, uh, we'll see what happens with these episodes. With yeah, these. I'm quite curious. I think we may have a Witchcraft Nine episode on our hands, boys. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know how much bro, Brian. Don't give me that. <laughs> so much with one sigh. <laughs> well, hey, you are aware, Brian, that we have more witchcraft episodes to do, right? Yes, I know, but they haven't been made yet, have they? they no, they have been made. Oh, have they? Shot. They shot them all back to back. Yeah. Yep. They shot them all back to back like three or four months ago. Well, we can have a special uh, guest because my buddy Sean wrote those. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh. that's awesome. Okay, Brian. I am doing this big queer book of horror with, who's the editor of this book, wrote those. Okay, oh, Brian, snip, spill the beans. Fantastic. What do you know? What do you know? <laughs> I, 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 I don't even know if I'm supposed to say that much. I think I'm okay saying that much now that they've been made. But yeah, yeah, he was, when we first started talking about this book, uh, he was in the process of writing, I think, the final one. And he wanted to get Stephanie. He was trying to get a hold of Stephanie Beaton because he's including all, like, like Detective Lutz and all those characters in them. In them so, 
Oh shit. I'm so glad I'm so glad they're bringing back those characters though because if you recall in those witchcraft movies the way we left those characters that we followed the the uh, Lutz and um Garner I think was the other one it was that he, Garner had accidentally raped Lutz. Whoops. Oh, <laughs> spoiler and, alert. And that was and that was like from witchcraft well it was from witchcraft too it's like oh what, well that's kind of an Inauspicious exit, you know. <laughs> oh, I don't remember rape. That they raped. That he remember they raped. remember he was possessed. He was yeah. possessed. He thought it was the other chick, and she, she's like, "Ah, oh, what are you doing?" And that's how they ended. <laughs> you know? I know. Th- I know. They. She ended up like on the ground someplace, but I, I guess I just couldn't remember. Yeah. 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 Oh, you're giving me flashbacks. We're all like, yeah. I cannot Uh, wait for these movies to come out. Tell your friend. (laughs) You know what's funny about this is in the chat, Paul, he's not piping in. He loves how we are avoiding talking about Vice Academy. (laughs) Oh, your guy, your guy, Sean, wrote, you don't know Jack, the video game? That is awesome. Sorry. Yeah. The guy, the guy who wrote fifteen and uh, witchcraft fifteen and sixteen, they're on his IMDb. He wrote, "You don't know Jack." Well, now I gotta watch these movies because yeah. you don't is know it, Jack. Is, is, it, is it on his IMDb now? Yeah. It, so, yep. Yeah. So then, then fine, we can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, fifteen and sixteen are on uh, on on the uh, IMDb page. So. So then, who wrote fourteen? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought he was writing all three, but maybe he just wrote the final two. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe Brian, it will be the lost movie. <laughs> Maybe it will be. Enough of the witchcraft, hullabaloo. We'll have to come back to that fucking bullshit next year, I'm sure, because I believe that they're scheduled to come out next year. So let's let's put aside that pain and that heartache, and let's get on with the Vice Academy episodes. Hey, if you haven't heard us talk for nine plus hours, or what? What is the mega cut? Seven and a half hours. Seven and a half. I think, yeah, I think it's seven yeah. and a half. Hit astroradioz.com. You can go to the collections and the witchcraft mega cut and and feel like you want to end your life listening to the <laughs> for seven and a half hours. But tonight we're focusing on Vice Academy three and four. But right now, let's start off with Vice Academy three. going on. Nobody's safe and no one has any respect for authority. Oversexed criminals are running wild in the streets. A crime wave is sweeping the city and only two cops can stop it. Sort of. We got here as soon as we could. Vice Academy Part 3. This is a bust. Julia Parton as 
It's a full-on comedy assault. What are you supposed to be? I'm your exterminator. Vice Academy 3 was made in 1991. And here is the plot synopsis that I took off of IMDB.com written by Dave Smith. (laughs) Probably not an alias. No, probably not. From Colorado State. (laughs) Two sisters in the Vice Academy try to thwart the crime wave wrought by escaped convict slash bootleg version of Joker, Melathion, who got her name after being exposed to toxic chemicals. An honest new recruit does such a good job at arresting Melathion's gang that the sisters are taken off of active duty. To get their jobs back, they try to tarnish the new girl's reputation. Um, They're not sisters. They're not sisters. Nope, they are. They, he totally fucked that up. So let's only, try plot some He's not the only one, though. He, and only read other Ginger Lynn's character tries to tarnish the reputation. Yeah. Yeah, this is really, that's a really horrible one. Let's try number two, which is off of Wikipedia.com. <laughs> Vice Academy 3 has an environmental theme as the girls try to capture... (laughs) Save the puppies. It's like Fern Gully with tits. (laughs) Fern Gully had tits? No, no, that's the wrong version, dude. Oh, sorry. That was Fur Gully. I'm sorry. Fur Gully. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Derek. Did we need to roll it? Go ahead. That is amazing. <laughs> so yes, Voice Academy Three supposedly has an environmental theme as the girls try to capture Melathion, who is intent on crashing it an Earth Day celebration and robbing everyone. Ginger Lynn's character Holly is in prison in this film. Shortly after the production ended, she went to jail in real life for tax evasion. It would also be her her last film in the series. Elizabeth Caton joins the cast as Dee Dee's younger sister, Candy. So there you go. If you can discern what the plot is through both of those ridiculously horrible write-ups, um, then good for you because it's a lot better than I, than I could do trying to stay awake watching this film. Um, of course, again, all of these Vice Academy episode or episodes. See, I think they're like the witchcraft films where they should have been t- a TV series instead of actual films. But anyways, all of these are directed by Rick Sloan. This one, we, we don't have Linnea Quigley anymore. Um, her character in the films, because one, her and Ginger Lynn didn't get along well, and I'm sure she wanted more money than Rick Sloan was willing to fork out, because if you could see the production design of this, most scenes either take place in some dude's backyard or up against a wall with a color gel. So Linnea Quigley's not in this film anymore. Her character de-graduated, and now her sister, Candy, played by Elizabeth Caton, takes her place. Also, we've lost Miss Devonshire. Miss um, Devonshire is now played by Jordana Capra and is not nearly as good. Uh, what did you guys think of the new Miss Devonshire in this flick? I, I actually retitled this movie to Lice Academy 3, Not My Devonshire, is what I retitled <laughs> it. I didn't, it, it, it. It's not just that it was a different actress. They completely changed how the character was yep absolutely like her 
I'm a, I can't believe I'm just going to say one character's comedy fell flat the entire time because almost all the comedy for me fell flat the entire time. Um, but she is just overdoing it and not in a kind of ham-fisted, like, oh, this is a funny kind of way. Just like she was in her own movie, it felt like, most of the time. What did? How did you think about Miss Devonshire, um, Paul? What did you think of her, her portrayal in this one? I was actually kind of, uh, it was a toss-up for me. I, I did like some of the aspects that she brought, uh, but again, it, she, like everyone else, is probably going to say, that is not the real Miss Devonshire. You know, the one that that you see in most of the series, that's the one that you want. That's the one you're used to. That's the one that has the better acting. Uh, but there was some aspects about her that I liked. I think there was a youthfulness about this version that I did enjoy. And that was about it. Yeah, there's there's not really much to sit and hone home for on, on that character or most of the characters. Other than Melathion, play, played by Julia Parton. Miss gorgeous Julia Barton. Uh, there wasn't much to write home about about any of these characters. We had Jay Richardson come back as the commissioner, um, <laughs> playing the same goofy ass character that he plays in all of his movies. So he was he was welcome. And uh, Elizabeth Caton comes in and basically plays Elizabeth Caton. If you've oh. seen her in any film, she basically <laughs> plays the same character. All the time. Well, um, well, they don't exactly hire her for her acting ability. <laughs> Mark, why don't you tell me what they they hire her for? Two two reasons. Uh, they're both in front, and they both show themselves often. Uh, <laughs> her eyes. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly two front right. teeth. She smiles a lot. Well, I believe she is the first topless in this movie, and that's within, uh, I believe it is within 15 minutes of this movie rolling. She takes her top off. I think then she goes 26 minutes and 44 minutes. Uh, Not I that you were counting. <laughs> More than just counted, he timed it. <laughs> so it's e- evenly spaced topless scenes for her, I think, just about there. So and she's the uh, only one who goes topless, right? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 wait, no, no, no. Um, that stripper? Mar- 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 oh, that's right. Malathion. You does. cannot forget that. I cannot no, forget that scene. No. I will never. Ever nope. forget that scene? <laughs> nope, nope, nope. On the DVD cut, are, are, are the cuts exactly at the nude scenes? Or <laughs> <laughs> well, the cuts that we watched definitely had nude scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, we'll we'll get to some of the nudity. Most of the nudity was actually pretty damn decent in this flick, so I can't complain about that. It it fulfills its sleaze quota quite proficiently um, because the ladies are quite beautiful in it. That's about all you could say about it, to be honest. But uh, the film starts off with um, Ginger Lynn. If you remember from the film before, she gets arrested and they're leading her to her her jail cell and what essentially is just a wall with a bunch of empty cells and a, a ton of different women and I'm just catcalling her uh, the entire time. Uh, she eventually, for some reason, just is allowed to roam free while the rest of the the inmates are sitting and just screaming and talking about nonsense in their cells. Uh, She goes into the bathroom and then in a pretty, you know, typical women in prison scene, they all gang up on her. All the other inmates gang up on her and it looks like she's about to be raped with a broom handle, but oops, nope. It's a gag. It's your turn. 
to sweep up tonight. Wackiness. <laughs> Personally, I, I I protest about how the treatment of the women are in this prison because uh, the overcrowding is they, they don't parse out the uh, inmates properly. They shove nearly all the inmates into the one cage except for the two that actually have meaningful dialogue, in which case they put those two in their own cell, but everybody else gets jammed in the other cell. I mean, no wonder these girls wanted to escape. Yeah. <laughs> it's a film about prison reform and how women don't make as much money as men. That's Thank you, Brian. Yes, yes, to add to the environmental or <laughs> sister-seeking revenge. It's all about women in the workplace. That's it's, right. an empo- it's an empowering film for women, which is why they have that theme song. That's right. Right, because eventually they all make five dollars an hour. I mean, That's right. exactly. God. Which is, which is one of the three or four running gags that go through this film, and just for my taste, the running jokes were just insufferable. They were they were they weren't funny the first time, so they keep hitting them until you eventually are supposed to think that they're funny just by repetition. The first one is uh, Candy, played by Elizabeth uh, Caton. Uh, They keep saying how... Quick, Candy, what was your last score on the firing range? Was it one out of six? Zero out of six. And, of course, she doesn't hit anything. So that's running joke number one. Running joke number two is that they only make $5 an hour. Well, Samantha, who is the um, prison inmate that, uh, for some reason, is allowed to get into the trainee program at the Vice Academy. And they they say, oh, you could uh, you, why don't you come and work for us? You'll make $5 an hour. Well, well, no, well. She she was the good girl. She didn't run away. She came back, and yeah. so they thought, you know, outside of everybody else, she didn't try to escape. So they said, "Hey, she'd be perfect to work in the cop shop," you know. And uh, they tried to get her a job, and uh, you know, uh, what you go, Miss Devonshire only made four sixty an hour. That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and and they were going to start her out at four dollars. My God, I paid attention to all this. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were going to pay Samantha actually four dollars an hour. He says, uh, uh, but with all the benefits of Miss Devonshire, and that's because he kind of liked Amanda. I mean Samantha, which was that his running gag like, number three. three. Yes, that he couldn't get her name right. Never yep. could get her name right. So there you go. I mean, that's the kind of humor we're dealing with here, folks. It's uh, it's top shelf stuff. <laughs> well, you, well you, you know, you get some some fun moments in here. Like I, I like the ode to the Joker, how they uh, designed the Malathan, uh, the villain. I mean, down to her wardrobe, she was like. You know, uh, she was the Joker. She was a, a mal- amalgamation of Harley Quinn and the Joker. If you just squished them together, and you know, Julie Brown, yeah, and Julie Brown, she had the breasts of uh, of uh, you know, she had the the breasts of Harley Quinn and the craziness of the Joker, as long as long with that hair, you know, along with the uh, hair and the lipstick. And oh, there yeah. was a scene later where they had to do a police sketch, and they basically sketched out the Joker with long hair. Well, yeah, yeah. the you know. The thing is that, okay, she's escaping from prison. They're escaped from her prison, as you're saying, right? Right. But uh, they're escaping from prison, and Malathion escapes. Or sure, she's not even called Malathion at that point. Melanie. And, Melanie. Melanie. She's Melanie. And then she, point. like, comes against this uh, chemicals, becomes Malathion with the green hair and everything like that. 
and she suddenly lays in the same thing. They kind of lead it to make you think that she has some kind of superpowers or something uh, because they're like constantly looking for an antidote to the whole film. She never demonstrates one single superpower aside from really hating environmentalists. That, the superpowers that, are on her on her chest. Well, and she, but she did have she did have sidekicks with cool names like Rotten Apples. There was rotten apples. The rotten apples. And stuff. That, that kind of goes to show you what the kind of humor that, you know, Rick Sloan plays with. I mean, this is a guy, when you find out that this guy loves Archie comics, it all kind of falls into place. Like, oh, yeah, because this has got a lot of this humor is like R-rated Archie comics humor. Honestly, <laughs> it really is. It, it really is. And that's kind of how I kind of look at him. So. Well, looking at looking at this, you know, with Miss Devonshire, uh, the character. I mean, the the logic. You know, she worked for the cops. Yet she mentions about making a citizen's arrest. You know, I, I, I you know, that type of writing in a script. You know, I don't know. You know, Dude, that just this brings up a, a really big question of mine that I kept finding myself go back to, and we're still in the beginning. We haven't gotten to the main thrust of the film, but uh, is. What the fuck does the Vice Academy actually do? There's like three people employed by this company. Yeah. They don't do anything. That's the thing is that in the first film, you know, there was all these people trying out for it. And there was a big, you know, a semi-big graduating class, at least, you know, for like a semester. Like, okay. And then they kind of continue. But and they kind of led to things like, okay, they're handling like, you know, prostitution, drugs, that kind of thing. This one, they kind of throw that out the window, and they're actually threatened by this new person that's being brought on the vice force because it would seem like they're the only two girls on the vice force. Like, how the hell did that happen? (laughs) Budgetary constraints. I was going to say, yeah, it is budget. You're right, Paul. It was a budget issue. Well, uh, speaking <laughs> of budget issues, let's, <laughs> let's look at the production value of this film, which actually, you know, in some ways, uh, it sticks with part two, where part two actually was a step up from part one, which is one of the cheapest looking films I've ever seen. And uh, the police station actually looks like a police station this time. Mm-hmm. There are different apartments and there are people walking around. This is the only set that has any production value. Let's talk about every other freaking scene in this entire film that looks like it's shot in the backyard of some dude's house. And there are just spray painted banners in the background that tell you where the location is. (laughs) Glenn, what did you think about the art direction in this film? There was art direction in the film? I must have missed that. I, I must have missed it like I missed uh, the dialogue, the plot, the, the facts, the acting. I must have missed all of that. The score. Yeah. Um. We're having a rough one here, boys. I can't even bring myself to sit and talk about the plot whatsoever. Brian, I need somebody to bring us back on point here. Brian, why don't you tell me what you think? Like, when you started watching this, uh, what were your thoughts about about this film versus the other ones? The the first thing that hits me about all these films is just the lack of pacing. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, it's it's painful. And everything does fall flat. Um, What I appreciated about this one and... The, and four, and four I actually kind of enjoyed, so we'll get that to, to that later, is he does use some really fucking cool character actresses. Um, yeah. There's this Deanne Hessel who plays the big prison 
co-cellmate of Ginger Lynn's character Holly, who's and she's like the typical big dyke type, but she actually has some okay acting ability and some presence, and it, it kind of has a great character actor presence to her. But you know, the rest of it is just the acting is half-assed plot line, which you know, Matthias, uh, this Melanie escapes and. Uh, gets hit by some toxic waste, becomes Mathia, uh I'm not even going to say it right. Melathion. 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 And kind of terrorizes, you know, the Vice Academy. And and in order to capture her, they pretend they're doing an environmental day. So she and her crew will come and try to steal all the profits. And they eventually Yay. capture her and her crazy crew. It, it's just, yeah, I, I just think it's a lack of pacing. A lack of true comedy but what i did appreciate in this one and i guess there was some of this in the second one too is just randomly and i don't even know why because obviously you know these are movies made for young college kids and men but there's some like He's the hot professor who shows up <laughs> trying to find a cure as we've all said to uh, stop the non-existent powers of Mathiathon and uh, <laughs> Professor Cawfinger, which is another joke. I, and I, don't, I was trying to figure out why is that funny? Cough and finger? I guess it's because it's like an anal exam. Incidentally, that's another like kind of repeated joke. But he's this hot dude who I think is like a Chippendales person or something. But he has and, a lumpy butt. He kind of did have a lumpy butt, but he yeah. his butt was better in part four because he plays another he plays exactly kind of the same character, the hot guy who's kind of shy around women, and uh, and it was kind of a lumpy butt, but you saw a lot of it, and I'm like, <laughs> what? What would be the point of that? Were they trying to bring the? I can't imagine they were trying to bring a female audience in. You know, yeah, I, but I, no, but I do. I do appreciate. You know, even though you know it doesn't. I was. I was. Even though it's not. It, it's not. It's not. It's yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, it's not for. Even though it's not for me. I almost, whenever I see like one of these exploitation films, I almost kind of feel bad and stuff. I'm like, you know, throw them a bone, equal time. You know, I'm not threatened by it. So yeah, no, I, 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 I wish that's really the point I make. More often. I, I do a column on Big A Horror Fan called The Backside of Horror, which kind of brings that point out is that there's much less male nudity. And whenever you say male nudity, everyone assumes dick. And I don't mean dick, I just mean ass. Just throw Anything. some male ass in there to, to balance out the tits. So I yeah. definitely agree. So I definitely appreciated that, but I'm just like, why? Why would Rick Stone put that in there? What would be, it's not the point of the film kind of. And but they, they did need it because it, it, it showed everybody that it wasn't just about, uh, you know, making women objects. They could just as easily make a guy the object of some kind of like affection. And they did, they had two, even though they did have two women, uh, kind of like fight and do like cat fighting type of type of deal over him, but it showed that anybody in these movies can be treated like crap, you which know, I objects. Which I love, but that wasn't the case so much <laughs> in the first two. I mean, there was a lot of yeah, you, you know, scenes, and and so like what turned the tide. I know there was a tiny scene in two w w with some male nudity as well, but for the most part, it, it was a lot of in those first two films. There was a lot of. Linnea quickly taking off her top and grinding up and down on some guy who had his clothes on. And, mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot of that. And, there, and I think there was much more nudity in the first two films than in, in these next two. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. But it doesn't have to be nudity to be an object. I mean, just just because they were looking at him as a sexual thing, not, not because he was he was a doctor. He was smart. And that's how he wanted to be seen as. But they were treating him as just 
a sexual thing. I didn't want to spill anything on my clothes. I see. I didn't want to spill anything on my clothes. Excuse us. Listen, you conniving hussy, what do you think you're up to? I'm going to be his assistant. Yeah, well, he's way out of your league. What do you mean by that? He's good-looking and a professional. Girls, I'm waiting. Coming! And I thought that was kind of an interesting play on everything that this movie seemed to be about. Wait, you got the impression he was supposed to be smart? Yeah. He's a doc. He is a doctor. He's a chemist. He's a doctor, and he could mix up the the formula thing. He yeah, was <laughs> interested in the ladies, though, boys. He was interested in science. Yeah, he was. Which I guess is the joke. It I was supposed to be the joke. Apparently, the joke. his brain is in his beaker. Here, let me make myself clear. And be careful. These chemicals are highly volatile when they're incensed. Yeah, well, so am I. <laughs> I think the main joke of that whole entire scene, and maybe nobody else noticed this, but as they're getting they're getting ready and stripping down, in the background is a skeleton yep. literally hanging out like he's a gangster. Yep. <laughs> who, who, who's basically posed like he's West Side, and I honestly that was the probably the best joke of the entire film. It, it's yeah, so I subtle. Know, it's, it's a good joke. It's a good joke, and it's and and the. And the thing is that unlike uh you know the, the kind of the raison d'etre for the humor in this movie is to like just like point out here's the joke here's the next joke they don't even acknowledge it it's because you know? they didn't catch it themselves oh, rick sloan says he caught says he says it was intentional uh but it says says like no no we did we put that there on purpose and stuff but uh art direction but, but you know, yeah. Well, you know, there there was very little art and very little direction. Let's be honest. <laughs> so, but like, so like that's like one of the only jokes. Is my point being that they don't actually call attention to. But the thing is, they there are so many missed opportunities for perfect sleaze in this film that when they do try and hit it, like this scene with his butt hanging out and them in lingerie, that it just like it it doesn't like. There's no focal focus, and what I'm referring to is that toward like beginning of the film there's this vice academy versus the inmates like get together where they're having a contest not unlike revenge of the nerds where the nerd where the different frats were were vying for some sort of trophy and so the vice vice academy which is all of four people and all of the inmates which is like 30 inmates how the how the inmates didn't just run away is beyond me. I have no <laughs> idea. They're in some college. They could have literally just gone anywhere. But anyways, the point is they have these scenes in this scene where they're having this little contest, like a sack race. We're talking about a bunch of Playmate models in sacks jumping up and down vigorously and they shoot it so boringly that they they miss the glorious thing that they could have had before them, <laughs> which is lots of jiggling. Yet they decide, ah, nah, yeah, let's let's forget about that. That scene goes on for like ten minutes, and there's nothing going on in that scene. It's it's so boring. That's well, like the majority of this film. Well, they also in that scene they set up a thing. With the helmet cam, 
and it never goes anywhere. Yep. The early what your Mark is referring to is is this film's version of the early GoPro helmet, which is essentially <laughs> Ginger Lynn. Ginger Lynn uh, is given by Jay Richardson to record this uh, this event. Uh, a helmet that has a VHS camcorder strapped to the top of it. How 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 well do you think this would have sold? <laughs> Well, I think that was the joke. Is that yeah. it was you know? Is that it, you're you're in you're in dangerous of, danger of actually breaking your neck gut by keeping this camera on too long, which is actually how a lot of those things were back then. I, I don't know. Yep. I liked some of the I liked some of the jokes in that scene because of at this point, basically what they did is that they thought they were going to get rid of. They thought that Ginger Lynn's never going to come back for part three. And so they tried to write her out at the end of the last movie by putting her in jail. And this one, they kind of rewrote it to say, like, well, no, she was just undercover. Yeah. But all, but no one likes her in jail any more than they like her on the Vice Force because she's such a bitch. Her character, not her in real life. They actually enjoy, like, having her, like, beat up by the other prisoners. Uh, Is it beaten with a baseball bat? What is that? No, I'm sorry. That was beaten senseless with a baseball bat. No points. So she actually beat is beaten senseless with a baseball bat. Yeah. Actually, what was the what was the what was the follow up that they were going to do in that? Like with a horse whip or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah, it was, yeah it, oh, uh, break the skin with a horse whip. <laughs> the next. Clue and they were gonna do it to Ginger. One of the few jokes that actually hit, besides the, the gangster skeleton. I, 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 I thought that was funny. I really did. Oh man! So after this this scene, they they go to the, a strip club, which is essentially some dude's basement, and uh, in it there's a stripper trying to dance on the stage, and all she's doing is just thrusting her hips forward, like. <laughs> I actually <laughs> thought it was very humorous. She's just standing on stage, just going, or like like some dude just thrusting his hips forward. Um, and the bartender Izzy is one of the effeminate dudes from part one that are in my favorite scene of the entire series in the car where they're doing a drug deal. So he's mm-hmm. back. This is another thing, like Brian had said earlier, about uh, these characters, they just get repurposed, these actors get repurposed for new characters in each of these films. Izzy is back uh, playing an entirely different character now. So they go to a strip club, blah, blah, blah. What happens there doesn't matter. Um, Then we're halfway through this film. We're treated to watching earlier in the film, Miss Devonshire goes to a liquor store. She goes to a liquor store and Melathion um, basically holds it up and uh, Miss Devonshire doesn't do anything about it. Halfway through the film, we're treated to watching the entire scene again. Yep. On, yeah. On on VHS, in in some of the worst and most obvious padding of a film I've ever seen. Uh, Glenn, go on about it. I'm, I when it started, I'm like, oh, they're just gonna sh- no, no, they're not just gonna show snippets of it. They're gonna, we're just gonna watch the entire thing and with, <laughs> with, with commentary. Excellent. So it's it's not just rewatching it. You're making me rewatch it longer. <laughs> <laughs> by adding in pointless commentary, which is basically just them repeating stuff that's actually happening in the video. 
Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, the, the, I will say that, you know, as you can tell, I actually probably have a better opinion of Vice Academy 3 than, uh, than a lot of the people on this board. But, yeah, you know, the big problem with this movie and the next one, and I'm sure I can get a testify brother from Derek and probably Mark as well, maybe some other uh, the rest of you, is editing. These yes. things, both of these movies should have been 10 minutes shorter. Oh, ten uh, minutes. Well, I'm still trying to. I'm still trying to make them feature length. First of all, there's an earlier scene where Miss Devonshire comes home, starts complaining to nobody about her life. You know, just like talking to herself. Finds out she's out of milk, and then goes to the store. We didn't need that scene either. There's no jokes in it, hardly, and. We could have gone right from her job to the drugstore where she is held up, and you could have actually had things happen in the movie quicker. Then we have to see that whole sequence from the drugstore, which was decent the first time around, the drugstore scene. It's too much. I mean, like, it's – it is. it is. It's shameless padding. It's – it, it hurts the movie as a whole because, as Steve Martin once said, the key to co- – the secret to comedy is ti- – Timing. I mean, timing. Timing. I mean, timing. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so, I mean, like, and that's what's really off in these movies, which is a problem when you have a comedy. Yeah. In Vice Academy 3, it's more whole scenes that could have been excised. In the next one, which we will get to, it's actually like bits that should have been chopped down within the scenes themselves so it, it should have been the entire film but we'll get to that point when we we get to part four um but no i i couldn't agree with you guys more it, it seriously was one of the most gratuitous scenes i'd ever seen in my entire life like when people complain about filler in in films or like on albums or things like this this is exactly what they're talking about. This is one of the, one of the most gratuitously like obvious filler scenes I've ever seen. So I mean, uh, it's not. I mean, it's it's not like the endless driving scenes from say like Birdemic or if right. you're going to go to or if you're going to go for a, like a more notorious example, Manos. You know, yep, I was about to say that two really well known examples. It's not like endless driving like that. It still it doesn't add anything to the movie. I mean, at least when Jess Franco padded a movie out with endless shots of a beach, he did it with some style. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this film, I mean, in between all the padding, in uh, the to, let's be honest, bare thin plot. You you have certain set pieces which are essentially the girls at some point are in some bikinis. Let's let's just cut straight to the climax of this film, which is essentially um, as uh, Brian had indicated earlier. They uh, th- because of the in, quote unquote environmental theme of this film that we learned about. They they try in order to get Melathion and and capture her, which she shows up everywhere, and they never do anything about it. No, um, I'm happy about that because I thought Melathion was one of the better things about this film. I actually enjoyed the fact that they had a villain that I could I could follow, and that I could you know it was it was just it felt really nice to be able to have that villain there, and she was just over the top. I thoroughly enjoyed that character more than any of the other characters. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think she really is the only character that you actually want to sit and follow Mm -hmm. in any of these films. They're just 
awful, awful, awful characters. But in order to capture her, because they never do anything about it, so they decide to hold a press conference and hold this. It's an Earth Day Earth event. Day event. Earth Day event where they they could donate uh, uh, like recyclables and that, and then they get free food. They get free food, so they get all sorts. They 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 get everything from a bunch of hippies to prostitutes to to like yuppie snobs for some reason and uh the big scene in the film at least for me was ginger lynn and elizabeth caton are asked by jay richardson and uh, to put on beer can bikinis <laughs> and then and then dance the crowd. this is the big set piece of the film i actually used that um when this movie first came out and i was like about you know 16 years old i had a show I only did one episode of it for cable access that was going to be reviews of B-movies, which were then the new B-movies that were out, and one of them was Vice Academy 3, so this is actually the second published review <laughs> I've had of this, I guess, and I actually used that sequence in the opening credits of the show. You mean you wore a canned bikini? Yes, I reenacted it for cable access and got letters. No, that I know. Awesome. I, no, uh, yeah, I know no, this I, is this was right after his stint as an associate producer on Witchcraft Three. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went from, to cable access, so I moved up in the world. Um, so, but uh, the but uh, the uh, no, I used the uh, I used that like footage from that scene in the opening credits of the show. Which, admittedly, is a very memorable scene. It's cute because it's not – here's the thing is that these things are supposed to be sexy comedies, you know? Rick Sloan has no interest in sexy comedies, as we can see by how he makes a lot of the uh, trashy women ultra, ultra trashy, <laughs> and how he – it's how everything is a, is a throwback. I mean, that wasn't a sexy dance. That was laughing. You know, well, no, they're 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 being goofy. They might as well yeah. have had Jackety Sacks playing the entire exactly. Time. Exactly, they practically did. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. I mean, and so it was like you know Watusi, you know, in the Foxtrot and all that stuff. So yeah. <laughs> so essentially, what ends up happening? Of course, they get Malafion. Blah blah blah. The end. Um, let's let's wrap this one. There's really not much more to talk about. about I this wa- there's a few things I'd like to say about it. Though, well, that's what I'm saying. Let's let's go ahead and let's give our final thoughts on on Vice Academy three. Scott, seeing how you're super anxious, you go first. Well, okay, I want to go and and just like while it's fresh in everybody's mind, I want to give a big second to uh, uh, how great Malathion is. Malathion is played by former adult actress uh, Julia Parton. Who's done both, you know, adult and mainstream work and stuff like that. Uh, if you look at her, you know, IMDb, you can find lots of her like erotic thrillers and other stuff like that that she was in. And you know, and of course, you can check out the IAFD and see everything from like Andrew, like high class Andrew Blake videos to uh, more S and M themed stuff. I accidentally came across one right just now called Enemets. Ooh, don't want to see it. Um, <laughs> but uh, you already have it downloading on BitTorrent. No, 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 that's. You know, not that's not my scene, baby. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, that would make you an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously though, uh, you know, Rick Sloan quote uh, comments that you know the reason why he had her because he has her back for the next movie too is that 
she says uh, he says of like all the actresses more than any other he worked with she got the movies and you can see that i agree she is so over the top and perfectly timed with her humor even when the editing is not timed perfectly for the humor that you know she's really great she's a fantastic character she is extremely sexy you know which is a prerequisite for the part very sexy um but, you know, I just thought she, Julia Parton was fantastic in this role. Another person I want to bring up is, and I think uh, I think Brian had something to say about her as well, is uh, someone who's not credited. And that's the, the person that plays this third entry into the Vice Academy force. Uh, Samantha is played by an actress, according to IMDb, uh, was played by actress Darcy DeMoss, who's been in a lot of stuff over the years. She is not credited here. Now, I've tried very hard to find out why she's not credited. Uh, my only clues are the audio commentary where he never mentions her by name. And he sa- and he basically says that nobody liked her. And that's why the last shot of her in a movie is Elizabeth Caton and Ginger Lynn Allen are, is those two pushing her to the ground because they wanted like to say don't worry she we're just pushing her out of the movie now so i'm like you know what i liked this movie believe it or not you can tell i liked this movie i thought it was funny i thought it was goofy i thought it had good timing this that that is really really shitty that is a terrible first of all it's a terrible treatment of an actress to to talk about one an actress like that no matter what your differences were second of all i don't know about the not billing her i i'm hoping it was a mutual decision I really am. I'm, I'm hoping that she said, you know what, I don't want to be billed for this either. But um, it could have been a union thing, too. This did not look high budget. But it was the highest budget of the series. I, I'm just wondering if it was a union picture and she was doing yeah. things like Can't Buy Me Love and the Friday the 13th films. That's true. That could be it. But, you know, was- he didn't say anything about it. He just said that, yeah, we nobody liked her. He didn't say anything about that. I'm hoping it was a mutual decision. If, if not, I think enough time has passed that this movie can neither hurt nor help her career. I mean, she's gone on to bigger and better things since then. Yeah, let's be um, honest. These fil- these films, nobody remembers them. And and it's right. funny you you bring up the audio commentary track, and this is a, a main reason why Mr. Andrew Shearer isn't here. And uh, right now, I think this is a perfect point where I'm going to actually play a clip uh, where Andrew discusses his thoughts on Vice Academy three and why he isn't here right now so um let's take a a a couple minutes here and let's listen to andrew hi astro radio z listeners i'm andrew shearer the one in the vice academy one and two episode that kept uh continually harping on how much he admired the great karen russell and it's true i do i think she's i still think she's fantastic but i everybody was nice to me about it but i think i laid on my admiration just a little too thick so i apologize for that i'm a little bit embarrassed but um I am uh, I'm going to weigh in on Vice Academy parts three and four in lieu of actual participation in the conversation. And um, as we get into discussion about about part four, I will say a little bit more of why. Um, So Vice Academy part three is actually my favorite of the entire series. It came out in 1991. And in order to find it on IMDb, you actually have to type in Vice Academy six. It'll take you to the Vice Academy 6 page, 
and then you click on the director's name or anyone else's name. Then you look at what they've done. Then you can click on Vice Academy 3 in their filmography and find that. I don't know why that is. I think that's a little weird. Anyway, yeah, 3 is the one they had the most money for. And it's, uh, it's my favorite because it's the biggest movie. They had the most money for it out of any in the series. It was the only one, apparently, that was even planned. And um, I love... Julia Parton as Malathion. She was in three and four. She's one of my favorite. She is the best villain of the Vice Academy series. And uh, she's one of my favorite performers out of all of it. She's fantastic. She's the far and away the greatest villain. One of my favorite performers. Um, This one does not have Jane Hamill as Miss Devonshire. She's played by a woman named Jordana Grica. And uh, she only played her once, but I thought she did a fine job. She was really good as Devonshire. I liked her a lot. Also, Linnea Quigley does not come back for this one. She's been replaced for the remainder of the series by Elizabeth Caton. And um, this is also the last one that had Ginger Lynn in it as well because she didn't come back also. And uh, Rick Sloan on his commentaries talks about that. Uh, Another thing he talks about, which is kind of interesting, is uh, he mentions throughout the commentaries for one, two, uh, three, and four, uh, he makes a lot of references to television shows. And that kind of tells you a lot about the Vice Academy series and uh, in particular why all of them but this one are really boring movies. And the reason is is because it's clear that Rick Sloan is a big fan of television. And um, as it turns out, the stories for these movies would would have been great if uh, Vice Academy had just been a TV show and he could write these 20-minute, 22-minute episodes and um, they would be fine. But stretched out to feature length, they're kind of tedious to slog through. But three's not like that. Three really moves. The beginning with the women's prison sequence is really strong. They got a lot of good action stuff. It really kind of moves. I like it a lot. Vice Academy 3 is definitely my my favorite of the series. So now we move on to Vice Academy 4. And this is where things get a little tricky for me, and I'll tell you why. Um, this came out in 1995, so a few years after the Vice Academy 3, which I guess they thought was going to be a trilogy. Uh, But it turned out for some reason somebody wanted more of these. So they made uh, part four and it was the lowest budget they ever had. And uh, it really, really shows. Um, But the good things first, um, Jane Hamill is back as Miss Devonshire. Really like her, of course. And um, Julia Parton, as I said, returns um, in the role of Malathion. She gives this great. They have another prison break at the beginning, but this time she's in a bikini. She ends up at a strip club. She beats people up. And um, the she has the the best uh, nude scenes also out of these. It seems like they kind of start skimping on the nudity, um, probably as a result of Elizabeth Caton. Um, and you can tell that they got more self-conscious with the nude scenes. In fact, if you pay attention, you can tell that they shot them in ways that they could be easily cut out uh, for TV, starting with part four. Um, this is also where the introduction of the Irwin character occurs. He's kind of the Bud Bundy of this, uh, of the rest of the series. And he's in, uh, all the other ones. I don't really like Irwin, but, um, Irwin is kind of the catalyst for something interesting that happens in this. And, um, I, Irwin's character is, is, uh, set up as like a sci-fi geek. And uh, that plays into uh, the plot of as far as why he's late when he shows up, who's with him. But dig this. Um, this movie is 22 minutes take place at Miss Devonshire's uh, bridal shower. 
So 22 solid minutes in this really small apartment that Miss Devonshire has. That's a big chunk of movie. The last 20 minutes are the wedding. So you have over 40 minutes of this movie only taking place in, you know, two locations, basically. And each stretch is one. It's... I'm telling you, it's it's really it get it got really tough. But um, here's here's what kind of is is a kick, and what I wanted to mention is, at the 57 minute mark in his commentary, Rick Sloan states that uh, he has a really big problem with Star Trek conventions, and uh, doesn't really say kind of why, but he does say that he's going to use this as a uh, running joke through the movie because he doesn't like it. A few seconds later, he starts to mention that. Um, there are overweight women all over these sci-fi conventions and tells a little story about them having to ban overweight women from doing Logan's run cosplay or reenactments because they were breaking hotel furniture. Uh, I don't know what's the deal with the stereotype, but he seems to think that that's funny. Um, But then at the one hour mark, when uh, Irwin shows up at the wedding with his um, sci-fi geek friends in the commentary, he goes, and of course we've got an overweight woman here. And there is a woman uh, dressed as princess Leia. And he says, they always want to be Leia. I think this comments are really, if I could say, um, I don't, I don't like it. Uh, I don't think it's cool for a cult film director. Well, I don't think it's cool for anyone to say this stuff, but for someone who's uh, makes cult films to be so kind of ignorant and um, unfair to uh, their audience. Because I'm sure that um, a lot of women love the Vice Academy series. And um, these women may or may not fit Rick Sloan's preferred body type. But I can tell you that um, some of them out there aren't going to really dig. I hope don't hear the things that he has to say about this stuff. Because uh, if he was only joking, that'd be one thing, but he seems to kind of harp on it. And uh, the fact that he returns to this thing seems, I don't know, it was bothersome to me and, and uh, made it problematic. And it brought down my um, it, it, my opinion of Rick Sloan. And I, I, I hate to say that, but it's the truth. Um, I don't know why he feels this way. And I, I think it's, I mean, on the one hand, you could say it's a little silly to... Uh, to take uh, to take issue with uh, someone making these comments, but um, you know, there they are, and uh, he's on record as as having said it. So, uh, you know, fans of cult film are from all walks of life, and they all look different, and you know, they all have this thing in common that they love these movies, and and women love these movies too, and um, women that look like all different kinds of you know. So to me, that was just yeah, I didn't like it. So uh, that was what broke me from the Vice Academy series, and I don't have any thoughts that I care to share on four and five, really, um, other than to say that they are, you know, they're more more of the same of part four, sitcom plots stretched out to uh, feature length. Um, so a little bit of where are they now, uh, for because I won't be coming back uh, to this discussion. Um, first, we have the winners, Jane Hamill won a daytime Emmy in 2013 for the PBS series Word Girl. Word, Word Girl is really awesome. Uh, definitely one of the winners there. Um, Jay Richardson, who I call the poor man's Bruce Campbell or the poor man's Leslie Nielsen, but really he's a combination of both. He's an awesome actor. He's always hilarious. It looks like the last movie he did uh, was uh, 2004 Curse of the Komodo for the great Jim Wynorski. So um, if he is indeed retired, it is well-deserved. Uh, Jay Richardson is 
one of my all-time favorite B-movie actors, did a lot of work with Fred Olin Ray, uh, love him in um, Haunting Fear, among many, many others, uh, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Uh, now the now the losers of the Vice Academy series. This is just my opinion. Um, Rick Sloan did not has not made a movie or directed a movie according to IMDb since 2009's Hobgoblins 2. Um, I would love to see him. Uh, for one thing, I would love to to get his take on fandom now. I assume he recorded these commentaries a long time ago and may have changed his mind if he's ever been to a convention and uh, had anybody want his autograph, um, what he might think now of fandom of cult film, sci-fi, horror, all of that stuff as relates to uh, the female body type or any body type for that matter. And um, it would it would be neat to see the, the Vice Academy series start back up again. I, I think as a TV series, I would love to see that even a web series, but, uh, yeah, pitch vice Academy to, um, you know, comedy central, anybody, as long as they'll let you do nudity and find Julia Parton, wherever she is and bring her back and let, and let's see if Jane Hamill wants to write <laughs> and Jay Richardson, man, come on, at least a cameo. Um, and the, the, I would say the biggest loser of the vice Academy, uh, series, uh, that award goes to Elizabeth Caton, who, uh, now is called Elizabeth Ruiz. And um, she is a secretary to uh, right-wing nutjob David Horowitz of the HorowitzFreedomCenter.org um, conservative website uh, on a blog post, which it looks like uh, Liz is the one doing most of the posting on the on the website for David Horowitz. Um, her latest one marked um, September 18th, 2015, calls the Black Lives Matter movement a racist revolutionary movement. So uh, not only is she racist, but... Uh, who knows what else? I didn't bother to read anything else. I, that's a very disappointing to me. But, you know, these, these are just people after all. And and, um, you know, at least in the movies, they're entertaining and, and fun. And uh, Elizabeth Caton is good in all these movies, a, a good actor. And, uh, um, you know, post this, I, li- I also liked Raylan Salmon. She was a good actor, too. And I think J.J. North was in one of them. She's awesome. So but, yeah, very, very disappointing and a sad end. To uh, to the story of Elizabeth Caton, um, I'm I'm a fan of some of the other movies that she did too. But yeah, uh, if you want to, if you if you're just a glutton for punishment and want to want to ruin your night, uh, oh, I mean, if you're a racist, you'll love it. But uh, if you're if you're actually part of the, uh, the progressive thought and the, the future, hopefully the future of uh, human humanity. Um, you want to stay away from the HorowitzFreedomCenter.org unless you want to just really piss yourself off and, and see how racist she is. But anyway, thank you if you made it to the end of this for listening. Thank you to uh, Derek for um, putting this on and for um, getting the idea to review these movies. I'm not a fan of uh, talking smack about anybody's art because a lot of people worked hard on these films and a lot of crew members, somebody had to do all that stuff, the hard stuff. Making low-budget movies is an often thankless endeavor. So um, hats off to everyone involved in the Vice Academy movies that isn't a racist or um, you know has problems with uh, fat people. <laughs> but other than that, rock and roll. Thanks. And we're back. What do you guys have to say about uh, what Andrew thinks about uh, Rick Sloan's commentary tracks? Um, uh, Scott? Well, just about like the... Big girl comments. Uh, yeah, I agree. He, it's, it's a really unfortunate. Here's how I see Rick Sloan. Now, these movies basically, and you can see this in a lot of Rick Sloan's movies, all the way back to the Hobgoblins films and such. He's a throwback. If you look, the humor is so old-fashioned and broad and over-the-top. And 
you would hope in a lot of people that, okay, that's just in the movie. There are people out there where you find out, like, oh, sometimes some of those opinions actually are reflected in what they say, which is unfortunate. I completely respect what Andrew has to say about this, and I completely back up like what he says, and I, I respect it. It's, I think it's unfortunate. It's not enough to turn me off of the movies altogether. I just look at it and say, you know, that's really too bad. He's wrong, of course. Rick Sloan is wrong, judging uh, appearance, really. Appearance. But... You know, he's such a the guy's such a throwback in the movies. It's kind of doesn't come as a total surprise to me <laughs> because the humor is such a throwback. I mean, honestly, y- the movies are you know borderline misogynistic in certain extents. Borderline, you know. I mean, borderline. look at that. I mean, I, I'm I'm giving benefit of the doubt here. I'm being really nice. So it's it's unfortunate, but I mean, it, I'm not going to let it affect the rest. What I think of the rest of the series, uh, mm-hmm. I say that having not watched five and six. But yeah, right now I just say like you know, his the movies are a throwback. Unfortunately, as much as I enjoy the work of Rick Sloan, and you know he's a Facebook friend and stuff like that, so uh, as much as I not anymore, not anymore. (laughs) As much as I enjoy the work of Rick Sloan, he's dropping you. There are certain things where you know some of his opinions, yeah, they might be throwbacks too. There's other directors where they don't, they have disappointing opinions. I don't let it affect what my opinion is of their work, though. So. Well, yeah, I mean, you it's a slippery slope. Like, if we really wanted to get into that conversation, then nobody oh. would be watching any of the Jeepers Creepers movies. Nobody would be watching any Roman Polanski movies. No, I mean, Roman Polanski, um, for God's sake, some of my favorite movies ever made, and the guy's a convicted pedophile. Oh, he is an, he's, a, he's a creep. But yeah. this was... Um, I this was also a contentious uh, part of going into this episode for me as well was I did listen to the commentary track for part three and it really turned me off. It really did turn me off and I didn't it was nasty. To, in some I spot. didn't listen to the commentary track for part four um, and just stuck with the film because I it, really I, I didn't like the tone. I didn't like how he how he referred to his actors um, and in general just. I didn't think it benefited anything to even have that thing there. So, Brian, what, what do you what do you think about about this film in general and in uh, the conversation at hand right now? I didn't enjoy this film particularly, um, and uh, you know it it's horrible that I having not heard the commentary. It's a little bit hard to comment on that. Um, it's horrible that. You know that any kind of body prejudice obviously was thrown out there. And having spent some time with Frank Hennelotter and in review and in interviewing Frank Hennelotter, his big rule is whenever he does commentaries, he talks to all the people he's doing with them, and it's there's no shit talking on the commentary. Yeah. Believe me, you meet him in person, you get to know him. He'll tell you all the stories about <laughs> the performers he works with that you, you know you want to hear. Um, but if, anything on a public forum, he always says. Um, You've got to keep it classy and professional and, you know, not let the real, you know, shit seep out of the lining. Well, um, it's, 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 it's a matter of having a persona. And it's also karma, too, because you never know if you're going to work with those people again. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, the, the thing is, I guess, maybe playing devil's advocate a bit in his defense, who knows what kind of mood he was in that day. You, you yep. know, when, when he when he made the commentary, maybe he regrets it now. You, you know, we all have those moods when we're just like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to say whatever the hell I think. That's and, true. 
But True. However, however a lot of his commentaries are like that. It, it, it kind of seems like maybe he's not the person who would who would think that but you know it, it's kind of hard to tell what a person's like from a commentary too yeah, true, he might true. be an awesome guy and just being like hey i have to play this persona of this kind of sexist crazy you know new bullshit dude so let me do it yeah yeah yeah, and, so he and, knows what variables went into it. I absolutely agree, and and that's why I did. I chose to not listen to the the part four commentary track. Paul, what were your final thoughts about part three? Uh, well, for, first thing on the commentary thing, I was I was just going to ask: Did anybody that did listen to the uh, commentary did they think that he he was just letting letting out all of his frustrations about the movie? I don't think it was frustrations. I think as he was going through the film, recollections came up, and he just didn't have very nice things to say to say about it. Okay, that's all. Uh, But uh, the the comment that I have about this movie uh, comes down to that one scene uh, where you have Miss Devonshire talking with uh, Melanthion. And uh, Melathion asks her, who do you think you are? And she says, I'm your exterminator. I thought that was a funny line because of what Melathion uh, actually is. Yeah. is it's a pesticide. And I thought that was – that to me uh, kind of encapsulated the movie. It's, it's humor that doesn't quite connect with a lot of people. Uh, and it just it's, – and it's out of place. But it, it works for – for that that one part and and I think the whole movie was a bunch of those little like um uh like Benny Hill skits all yeah. run together and and that's you know that's what he did with this movie and that's sort of why we get the movie that we do um if you watch different parts of it it's okay but if you're trying to get a really good solid movie it fails because it doesn't have that continuity that that flow that you would expect a comedy to have yeah and I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Paul. I, I think uh, the big thing with this film in part four completely is just pacing. Is mm-hmm. pacing and continuity, and there's none. Um, Glenn, give it. I'm going to quote uh, just a little bit of what Scott said, and that was really, really shitty. How's that? That's uh, <laughs> that's my opinion of this entire thing. Out of um, context on my uh, you're taking that out of context for me. <laughs> like, out of context, really? I mean, that's, that's all I heard. Really Do you I, I said that. on a website that was shitty. <laughs> I was like, no, I actually liked the movie. <laughs> yeah, I did not care for this film at all. I think I actually liked it less than the one we're going to talk about next. Oh, wow. Wow. Wow! Wow, that's shocking <laughs> to me. What what was it about this one that that you thought was just so awful? Um, one, I, I hated uh, the change with Miss Devonshire. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just it just way too too much of a change from the original story and the original character. Um, I hated that. I just I don't know. I just hated everything about everything in regards to this film. <laughs> fair enough fair enough mark the movie man you've been pretty quiet this movie um i, I want to hear what you have to say uh, i will say i um I, enjoy, I enjoyed this one better than four though i do wish they would have had the original devonshire because 
Uh, I, as everyone else said here, I actually, you know, found her to be a highlight in the first two films, the, the actress playing her. And uh, it would have been nice to see her in here. But then again, the way they wrote Devonshire's character here versus the others, uh, I don't blame her for not <laughs> going with the character this time. Uh, there, there are some higher moments in here, usually involving Melision. Uh, you know, uh, I, I will say I enjoyed her scenes the most. In fact, I looked forward to her scenes, not just because of, of the whole uh, attractiveness thing, but the fact that out of everyone here, she, she, she put in, put her all into it. Everyone else feel a lot of the people here feel like they're kind of going through the motions. Yeah. Or whatever. I mean, she actually tried to make it, uh, you know, a character, uh, you know, and she she's trying to be something a little different, and I think she succeeds, and she she is the the bright spot in this film. Uh, yeah, otherwise, I mean, even for a, a film where you would watch it as a teenager for certain content, it comes up short <clears throat> on in, in that category as well. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I don't know, you know. Yeah, at this point in time, you can tell the series is just, they're just running its course. Uh, you, know, you know, they're just coming up with, with reasons, I think, to continue the movies. And and this one, yeah, it, it's all about Malathion for me. I, I, I think she was the part that I enjoyed the most and about the only part I really enjoyed. Ginger Lynn didn't seem like she wanted to be there. Mm-mm. At all, no. You, you know, I mean, at all. I, it is so obvious she did. You know, but the boom guy wants to be there. In oh, fact, he wanted to be there big time. He was in every single scene. If you could, the, that, that strip <laughs> club, the boom guy was making sure you knew he was there. Uh, <laughs> a couple of times, you know, he's like, "See, I'm holding the boom. Damn it, you can see him." Yeah, by God, you could see the boom. More reference and more instances of a boom poking, breaking the top of the frame, more than dolomite. And that oh, shocking. I was going to say, dolomite meant to have that up there. <laughs> and this one, I don't think they did, but by God, that boom guy was like, yeah, I'm showing that I, I did this film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a big credit on his IMDb. It's a big credit on his IMDb. But yeah, on the whole, you, you can see where this series is headed. Where the first two really felt like they were they were trying to poke a little more fun and be parodies of, of say, those police academy type films. Now it's just yeah, let's milk of what now has become a franchise, and let's just produce this stuff and just for the hell of it is what the feel of it is. So yeah, yeah, and there, boys. We're I think we're gonna take a short break and we're gonna end Vice Academy three. And when we get back from the break, uh, we're gonna talk about Vice Academy four. So. Um, <laughs> Grab a beer and um, freshening my drink. <laughs> yeah, freshen it. Make sure it's stiff.
Pictures International. Thanks for letting me pick the picture, Samantha. I hope you like it. She was the nastiest babe in the big house. Maybe a little voltage will bring you back to your senses. Something's not right here. Now she's busted loose. Well, I like to take the pedal to the metal. Look, look, here's the best part. <laughs> Malathion is back. Have a drink on me, honey. Vice Academy 4. Oh, it's a classic. You should know better than to park your car without using the club. Malathion's only been out one day and she's already assaulted one of our men. The Vice Squad's gone undercover. Do you have any money to spend? Let me see. I've got five dollars. Five dollars? Five dollars? You couldn't get in my purse for five dollars. The chief of police is hard at work. Please stop fondling my flashlight. Commissioner, will you marry me? We're engaged. Can you believe it? Why don't you let us put out a bridal shower for you? Take it off! <laughs> Shit. Suddenly I have such a craving for weedy surprise. And the wedding of the century is about to be crashed. This is an event I don't want to miss. I'll release you today if you promise to get us a nice gift. I didn't invite these prisoners. Oh, my God. The wedding's already started. We'll change on the way. Okay. Ah! Punch ah! If you ruin my wedding, how dare you show up dressed like this? All right. <gasps> Till death do you part is going to come a little early for you two. Can she do this? Yeah, she can. In fact, the law allows it. Julia Pardon. There's one thing I can't stand. It's a happy ending. Elizabeth Caden. Whip out that dipstick and make my engine purr. Jay Richardson. I'm afraid they've spotted us. Quick, looking conspicuous. Jane Hamill. May I have my chewing gum back, please? Oh. In Vice Academy 4. I've seen it 18 times already. And we're back, folks. Here we are. We um, we all drank a handle of whiskey to be able to bring ourselves to talk about the next film in the series, Vice Academy 4. Yay! Vice Academy 4 was made in 1995, and here again is another amazingly written uh, plot synopsis off of imdb.com, this time written by... Anonymous. <laughs> it's to protect David. and what's that? It's Go for Dave. It. <laughs> it's Dave again, <laughs> the super fan of Vice Academy. To protect and serve takes on a whole new meaning when the Vice Academy girls are on the case. Candy and her new partner <laughs> Samantha are back in an all new wild adventure. <laughs> the wicked nymphomaniac Melathion has broken out of prison again and is on the rampage. The vice girls must bust her out before she can seduce the commissioner and destroy his wedding plans. <laughs> Melathion, with the help of her new boy toy, the helpless mechanic, wrecks havoc in sexual hijinks as only she knows how. Will Candy and Samantha be triumphant? Or will Melathion succeed with her dastardly plot? It's does does anyone even remotely think that that describes what happens in this movie? No, almost. I would like to watch this movie. Almost, almost. It's, <laughs> they, it's, it's that, there was more plot. There was there was more plot in this uh, synopsis than there was in the movie, and but the whole thing about seducing the commissioner—that's like a five-minute segment. 
Oh, Jesus Christ, Brian. Um, it, it, it's got a little <laughs> bit of it. <laughs> All right, I'm just fed up with your shit right now. Brian! No, 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 no Brian. No, Brian. I, he, he sounded like he, he wanted to refute this. Go for it, Brian. No, it, 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 it's a much better description than the other two were about Vice Academy 3. Yeah. It, it, just, it, it brings out, as Scott was saying, smaller points of the film and makes them seem like they're more important than they actually are. Yeah, let's be honest here. Environmental film. This whole fucking movie is about a wedding. <laughs> yeah. That's all I remembered about this film. Because that's all there is. The, the whole damn sense. film is about Miss Devonshire and the commissioner, played by Jay Richardson yet again, <laughs> getting married. Bachelor party. Melifion's back in this film. Yes. No point of her being in this film whatsoever. Jane Hamill is back as Miss Thelma Louise Devonshire. The real one. The real one. I think the budget's a lot lower in this one. Than, oh, what yeah, what would make like you that. say that, bro? Um, yeah, the, uh, the, bud- <laughs> the budget for part three was the highest of the series, and the budget for part four is the lowest in the series. Boy, that's a shocker. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you some of the things that little would have indicated little rage, this. Little rage on Derek's part with this What would make you think this? Could it be that, one, there are no sound effects at all in this movie? <laughs> Two, club scenes are essentially just some random wall with a bunch of people hanging out by it. The first 15 minutes of this movie are people reading letters back and forth to each other. (laughs) There's nothing going on in this movie. Glenn, give it. (laughs) Okay, well, I view the movie in a completely different way because I just tried to have any kind of fun with this. See, now... (laughs) My plot synopsis of this movie is that so you have uh, Elizabeth uh, Caton back as Candy with her new partner played by the poor man's Gina Davis, uh, <laughs> Rebecca Davies, because she tries to sound just like her and she's like nine feet tall. Um, <laughs> Malathion is back and breaks out of prison yet again and she remains conspicuous with her giant green, you know, mass of hair and she hooks up with Steve Gutenberg, who's playing uh, a mechanic. <laughs> Um, Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> dude, tell me he doesn't look like Steve Gutenberg. He does. Um, and then you've got Toby McGuire playing this nerdy guy, Irwin. Um, isn't, this, isn't this a better movie already? Yeah, I love this movie. Um, I wish oh, we would watch yeah. this. And, and it's, it's all about Mrs. Devonshire getting her big day. Um, you know, and Melathion discovering a bit of what love actually is. That's What's what that? A, a husband that takes no interest in her whatsoever? Exactly. <laughs> what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No, no more. Take away his root beer. <laughs> I got Joe on the phone right now. Intervention's coming over. Paul, what do you have to say about this to start with? Some of my uh, some of the characters are back. The the Jane's back, Julie's back, or Julia or whatever, uh, Melathion, uh, yeah, and part, Steve's yeah. back. So come on, those were the good Mattel, things. Yeah, Steve those Mattel. were the good things. He lists three things, and those were the good things. <laughs> Vice Academy Four is quite possibly the most pointless movie I've ever watched in my entire life, and we and 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 I mean this this is on the level like it took me 
three or four times to sit through this entire film. This Mm -hmm. is shockingly boring. Just so boring. So, but anyway, let's get on with the let's get on with the film itself. All right. So, Melathion, she she's in electroshock therapy, breaks out. She jiggles boobs, a lot in that scene. Yep. I was just uh, about to say boobs are jiggling all uh, over the place. Thank you so much. Yep. 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 <laughs> and, and, rem- and remember, boys, this is the days of the high butt bikini, where her butt goes on forever when she turns around. Um. So she so she leaves, and then. Uh, we get introduced. Uh, the main portion of this whole first part of the film are people reading this um, magazine, Prison Romance, which is essentially Miss Devonshire writes this magazine in order for prisoners to hook up with people on the outside and have a fulfilling life. But it's basically just her rag so she can sit and complain about people in it whole first 15 minutes of this movie is nothing but them reading this back and forth to each other on a borrowed on a, on a borrowed porn set yeah oh yeah oh yeah the sets are super cheap in this film so anyways Mel Thion breaks out and she hooks up with the mechanic <laughs> who's as Glenn said is who who is the actor you replaced him with Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg. We'll, we'll just say Steve Gutenberg's in this movie. So she hooks up with Steve Gutenberg. He's a mechanic in this film. And, and uh, he is, should we say, timid to things of a sexual nature? Dear Melathion, even though I haven't heard from you yet, I'm writing you again to let you know how anxious I am to meet you someday. I'm looking for a wholesome girl, the kind I could take home to mama. And uh, he wants to take things slow with Melathion, who basically just wants to hop on his rod almost immediately. And uh, then from that point, uh, we start into this wedding plot, and there's a bachelorette party that goes on for 20 minutes. (laughs) And in, 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 in which uh, a hundred-year-old stripper shows up, Miss Century. Um, yeah. Hi, girls. Who the hell are you? I heard Mr. Centaur. I must have had my hearing aid off when I took your order. I thought you wanted me, Miss Century, the world's only 100-year-old stripper. You see now, old fool, can't you get anything right? It really hurts me to to sit and trash films like I'm going to tonight because, honestly, I found no joy in watching part four whatsoever. Wow. These films could have been just TV episodes. That's mm-hmm. all they could have been because they're even more so than the witchcraft films because there's just – they're padded out so long. The jokes don't hit whatsoever and you're just sitting there for an hour and a half waiting for another woman to go topless and it rarely ever happens that's essentially all that the, the point See, of but at least is. these movies you're not supposed to take seriously my problem like i kind of enjoy these a bit better than the witchcraft films because they wanted you to take that stuff seriously that oh bullshit, yeah that horrible acting and the horrible mm-hmm. plotline seriously in witchcraft and this you know you're not supposed to take seriously and i actually kind of in 
joy despite the the horrible pacing and the jokes not always hitting or barely hitting. I kind of actually really enjoyed this one, Vice uh, Academy Four. So, Brian, do you? I don't know about you. Maybe maybe it's just me. But when when a horror film do, it takes itself super seriously and doesn't hit. For some reason, I find real joy in that. I think there's there is some sort of kitschy um, kind of camp value to that. Where com- be, yeah. where where comedies that mm-hmm. don't hit to me are like the worst films ever. Um, I, maybe I'm not a huge comedy guy. Like I'll go to movies and and I can appreciate the skill that went into them and I and I actually like watching the special features on like the comedy films to watch how they create the scenes because you really see you know the the multiple takes and the, the riffing and all that kind of stuff and the skill that, that goes into it but I, I'll laugh maybe once or twice during a comedy while the people next to me are laughing throughout the entire thing um, so I'm not a huge comedy guy for some reason. Um, like I said, I enjoyed the skill that goes into them. I just didn't think with the witchcraft films though, that they reached that level of camp, you, you, you know, mm-hmm. um, there wasn't even the skill for that, but it's, it's, it's shocking to me that I'm defending those in the light of watching <laughs> these two films. I, I enjoyed four. I, I thought there was some fun. I thought, Julia Parton was great again. I thought the the, the the crazy female wardens with their big hair looking like, you know, Pee-wee's, Pee-wee's Playhouse rejects. Great. <laughs> I mean, just the fact that they were grinding on an old, like, wagon wheel, the electroshock for you know, Mathiathon. Um, yeah. <laughs> my girl, Dubber Dare, Dubber Dutch, is the hooker in, in – um, in the bar that she steals the dress from and they have a fight. So uh, I I was thrilled to see her in it. And I love the fact that she wore that freaking tight pink dress with the holes cut out, you know, in the, in the tits for most of the movie, like the the entire movie, essentially a recurring joke. Um, I liked portions of that bachelorette party. I thought like when, um, uh, they convinced Anvil, a.k.a. Steve Gutenberg, a.k.a. Steve Mateo, to strip for them. He, he, he's trying to do Matthias evil bidding and steal the wedding pres- the, the shower presents, and uh, gets caught, and they think he's the stripper after Miss Century, the 100-year-old prostitute, leaves. And they flip over uh, the record on the old record player that uh, um, Jane Hamill has and uh, Miss Devonshire has, and she does the whole DJ thing with it, I thought that was kind of funny. I, I mean, I thought, once again, the pacing was a bit slower, you know, as most of these films have been. Um, but there was a lot I kind of hit with me and I enjoyed about this film. I, I thought the, the, the jokes about the cheap wedding gifts kind of were fun. And, you know, I, I actually found myself enjoying this probably the most out of all, the, all, all of the films that we've seen so far in the series. Oh, my but. gosh, Brian. <laughs> You blew my mind again. I, you know, if I have a goal in life, that should be it, dude. Just to every once in a while, shake your shit up a bit. You know? <laughs> I now know when we go forward doing any of these franchise episodes from now on, the movie that I think is the worst, <laughs> absolutely just adore. I, that's gonna be that's gonna be our theme, man. That's gonna be kind of like. The, the draw that pulls all these many, many listeners in. And let's <laughs> see what happens my world. between Harry and Curse. <laughs> Mark, 
bring bring it to me. Get, starting starting off, let's we're about halfway through this, but we can jump around in this movie. To be honest, there's no plot, so it doesn't really matter. Mark, there's, what, there's what, a lot what do you less think plot. about this? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I liked the Samantha character better. I liked the girl they got to play the Samantha character, in all honesty. The actress they got is, is trying harder uh, in this. Uh, I, I thought she was – I just liked her, her delivery and, and her presence better uh, than the other Samantha. And this was uh, who uh, – I forget the actress who's playing Samantha. Uh, uh, to Rebecca Davies. Yeah, Rebecca credited, Davies. Credited, credited as Rocky Garner. This is like her last playing a lead role, and but after this, but she did have a bit part in Superman Returns. Yeah, she played, she played a hospital reporter, so yeah. uh, she got an extra part there, you know, and she did some shorts. But, I mean, yeah, as far as feature and being in front of the camera a lot, this was her last – uh, feature, you know, where she actually kind of was the main star, and I liked her performance. I, I liked her character better. Uh, seemed more natural. Uh, you know, the other Samantha, how they played her. I don't know if it was just the way they wrote her. I'm not sure, but I mean, it was first weird that they got a different actress, you know, for for that role. Uh, but I, I liked her better, uh, you know. I, I thought she was, and then seeing Miss Devonshire, uh, the true Miss Devonshire back also was fun to see. Uh, seeing Julie Parton back was good, though her character in this one wasn't nearly as off the wall as what I would hoped concerning what she was in the first one, uh, yeah. you know, number three. Yeah, she totally you was. Know. And I think, you know, there, that's a good point is that Miss Devonshire's character was, was now back to the kind of milk toast kind of old school, uh, school marmy type character that she was in the first couple films and the Samantha character who was the total goody goody and wanted to do the right thing and was kind of just blah in part three now actually plays sort of a bad girl. And it was in, it, it, it actually has a character to her um, because Elizabeth Caton in this film is nothing. Yeah. She doesn't do anything. No, she really Seriously. doesn't. The, the first, like, she doesn't do anything until this, uh, the like the last act of this film. It, up until that point, she's in two shots the entire film, standing against a wall mm-hmm. every time she's on screen. They don't really give anything for her character to do apart from the uh, rest of the Vice team. I mean, uh, with the Samantha- she's busting after Anvil. I mean, she's got the yeah. That's true. No, that's true. You know what? You're, I take that back, Brian. You're absolutely right. Is that she uh, starts having the hots for Anvil, uh, Mal- who is Malathion's guy uh, that he that. Um, she's deceiving and stuff like that. So actually, you know what? No, I take that back. Yeah. She does have a bit there. Um, yeah. Well, she's got a bit there at 47 minutes to show herself topless. <laughs> just like Malathion showed at eight minutes in that she was topless. So, um, <laughs> and I appreciated those scenes. No, now I don't want to, to, to lay out there that everything about this film was bad. There was a couple scenes that I actually kind of enjoyed and giggled at. Mm-hmm. First was, um, Toward the beginning of the film, they go and see bootleg Courtney Love as a tattooist. Um, she's going <laughs> to tattoo this girl on her on her butt. And eventually, at some point, this girl is very disgruntled about the tattoo she gets. Oh, my God. What have you done to me, you fool bitch? 
then eventually uh, the the girl that got the tattoo starts choking her to death. Yeah. In the like, in the two cops are standing. Elizabeth, Kate, and, and uh, this other lady starts just stand there and just talking to each other while this girl's dying. She's literally getting choked to death. And then just cuts to another scene. I thought that was that was a pretty funny scene. And uh, the other scene that I that I actually really enjoyed was uh, where uh, uh, the commissioner and Miss Devonshire are on a stakeout, and they he dresses up as a Boy Scout, and uh, she's like a damsel in distress. And there's nothing but penis jokes the entire scene. Oh, commissioner, what's this? I feel. Oh, that. That's just a thermos of hot coffee I brought along. Oh. I'd like you to know I really enjoy the quality time we spend together. Thank you, Miss Devonshire. Now, if you don't mind, would you please stop fondling my flashlight? When we got into part four, because the first three movies I had seen all of those when they first hit VHS back in the day. And a lot of you guys saw them like on USA Up All Night and all that stuff. With part four, we started to get into the ones that I've never seen before. So that this was my first time viewing them, you know, as I'm older. Yeah, I've never seen either of these two we watched tonight. And unfortunately, because it took eight months for us to get to this episode, I actually saw part three like three times in that time period because we had been trying to get to this episode so many times and we just couldn't coordinate it. I unfortunately watched it three times and I watched this twice. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to say is that I want so I wound up seeing this because I because we originally were going to do this earlier in the year and then, you know, delays, life happens, you know, it's cool. Uh, And, you know, the, the episode got delayed. So I had to watch him again recently. When I first saw this one opening and. Here's the thing: the op- the first sh- scenes where Malathion's back, Julia Parton is just phenomenal. I love her uh, in this role, uh, and she escapes from prison. She even gets into a catfight brawl at Rick Sloan fans. Even though it is a just a brick wall they are leaning against, this is Club Scum, which is everybody knows from Hobgoblins. Like, yay, Club Scum's back! Um, it's trust me, it means something. Um, <laughs> trust me, it means something. <laughs> and so, but I'm like, so all of that I was enjoying, and the thing where she gets in in with Anvil and starts, and he's like this, this totally naive guy guy with no prospects, uh, and. I liked all of that when it got in and I liked the, you know, the stakeout, all that stuff. When it became about the wedding, it stopped being about the Malathions on the loose again and started being about the wedding. And when Malathion came in, it was to sabotage the wedding. It lost something for me. It wasn't, it lost a lot of, of its momentum that I thought it had gained. I watched it a second time a few days ago. I still feel that way, but you know what? Honestly, the movie played a lot better the second time. I'm like, oh, actually, this I'm noticing a lot of jokes that I was probably too grumpy to miss to catch the first time. And, yeah, it's actually, you know, I, I still like this movie. I don't think it's as good as the first three, but I think, but I still like this movie. Uh, speaking of the new Samantha, uh, Rocky Garner there, I think she's great. The character's a lot different. Uh, and, you know, in case you guys – I didn't make it clear enough, I loved Darcy DeMoss as this sweet character in part three. 
that they re- rewrote her, I didn't care mine so much because I thought Rocky Garner did a good job in this. Uh, R- Rocky Garner, Rebecca Davies, however you want to credit her. Um, the movie is decent, uh, but I think it lo- does lose some momentum. One of the things that gets me is that you don't look for logic in these movies, but their whole thing is ca- trying to catch Malathion. I could not count the number of instances with Malathion is standing right in front of me. Yep. Arm's length, unarmed. And they don't do a thing to stop her. They just like sit there and say, you'll never get away with this. Well, then arrest her. That, and we come back to the point that Vice Acad- the Vice Academy don't do fucking anything. No, what they the don't. fuck are they? They just hang out in dudes' backyards and they have don't. soirees. But, you know, I thought the movie was funny. It could have been funnier. Now, when I said, like, the first... The- for instance, part three, one of the only real flaws of that movie was that there was a couple, few scenes that they could have just dropped. This one, I don't think it's scenes they should have dropped. I think it's in virtually every scene. The timing was off. The pauses between lines, the pauses for reaction shots was a bit too long. If you trimmed off like a half second, a second from each one of those, I think you would have met a much quicker paced comedy and honestly Derek I think even you would have liked the movie better I don't know man I, I do agree with you though editorial on this film was just an absolute sty it was a mess I had noticed there are certain scenes Um, there was one that I watched multiple times uh, because I, I couldn't believe it where people were entering frame and it was they were in different positions all entirely I just said it was it was an absolute mess. There was oh, no, no pacing. Block. There's no blocking in this movie. It's, uh, it's just stand wherever, enter wherever, exit wherever. Yeah, it's I I don't really uh, want to sit and continue to dog on it because honestly, this is an entirely forgettable film. Does anybody else have anything positive to say about this film before we just wrap this out? I have. It a- had an ending. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul. Well, I, I actually have two things. Uh, one is a bad, and one is a uh, a good, or a, maybe a tongue-in-cheek good. So uh, the tongue-in-cheek good is that uh, the movie is actually uh, way before its time. It, it actually kind of predicts the the future state of audiences, which is like a video game soundbite type loving type audience where everything is just quick, you know, short little spurts. And that's why you didn't really need a story that was run together. It would, it, it fits well with just scenes on, on YouTube that you could just watch and laugh at. And you could enjoy those one or two scenes because we picked them out. We picked out scenes that we liked, but we didn't talk about the movie as a whole uh, as being likable as, as a result of that. So it is kind of before it's time in that aspect. Uh, and then the one thing that I do have a negative about this film is that the movie kind of, to me, started out as a, being a parody of Police Academy. But then by the time it got to this fourth movie, it became a parody of itself. And uh, I think what also lacked a lot in this movie was it didn't have that DD effect, you know, the uh, Leanna Quigley type character, that quirky playfulness. It seemed really gone out of this movie, and that's mm-hmm. why I didn't like it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you is that none of the, the characters we're supposed to actually support mm-hmm. are engaging in any way. The only character that's even worth a pinch is Melophion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she's not even barely in this film at all. 
I will say one thing that is different about this movie than all the other movies, too, that I noticed is that in the other films, because in the other films, you had Ginger Lynn, okay? And um, so Linnea Quigley and Ginger Lynn, on screen and off, were at war with each other in part first, part one and part two. Mm-hmm. And Ginger Lynn played uh, kind of a spoiled brat in the first movie. She started to get a little bit nicer in part two, but was still ultimately pretty mean. And in three, she was me- her character was meaner than ever. Mm-hmm. In this one, you have two peop- two vice girls that are supposed to be pretty likable, and to me, they actually were, and so they actually got along. For once, the partners are actually partners, and they actually like one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a different dynamic that was introduced into this film that was not uh, present in the other three entries. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the the bad thing about that is, though, Scott, is that unfortunately those two characters, and especially Elizabeth Caton, just given absolutely zero to do. Yeah, I, you know, I Elizabeth Caton goes hot and cold with me in these movies, and you know, I've heard things about her which is not great in the real thing, but that's like her not not talking about her acting of there. She does some things that I like in, in the in the movies and then you know like for instance I think one of the best laughs of uh part three was when they're in the trash cans and she says, Oh no, I think I have an itch and you just see the trash can go <laughs> she's itching. But uh so I mean like she's got some good parts but in here eh you know whatever. <laughs> she had she had decent parts. I liked her and Anvil on the Twister board, for instance. <laughs> I'll say that I liked that part. Mm. I thought that was funny. Boy, that's a that's a just an amazing recommendation for this I could, for this I film. Could, I, 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 I'm 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 a good natured person, Derek. I can see the joy in anybody. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, there's a reason why, other than just life happens, this episode took so long to get to. It, it, it really pains me to to have to force myself to do one of these episodes because I said I would. Um, because I don't really find joy in just sitting here trashing something that people took time to sit and create. I mean, making movies are are tough and they're hard. They take money. They take people. Um, people that that for varying reasons are involved with this. Some of them seriously wanted to make something that's decent. Others were here just to be in a film and have something behind them. Um, so it, it's really... I really don't like saying that this is an absolute piece of shit, but this movie's an absolute piece of shit. I, <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't believe that I actually had to force myself to sit and watch this, and and it kind of scares me. And I know I said this in the witchcraft episodes. Scares me what the last episode's going to be like, and what those last two films are going to be like, because I can't imagine the budget's going to be any better. You know, you guys were talking about, and I don't know if even who knows five and six might be this, but uh, you guys were talking about how they should have been like TV episodes because of the like the wedding bit. I'm like thinking like, and immediately I got this picture of like, oh my god, a Vice Academy Christmas. I want to see it. <laughs> just think about how, knowing the humor of these movies. Just think about how many jingle bells jokes there's gonna be. <laughs> Well, think about this. I know part six, the the subtitle of part six is Bikini Bandits. Awesome. 
So at least there's that to look look forward to. So so to end part four in the the Vice Academy discussion for this episode, um, the the film ends on an interstitial that says, "For better or worse, till sequel do us part." We don't are forget, going to part. Don't, don't, don't forget the address and email for the Vice Academy fan club. Which, which, I which I'm that. sure is all of four people. It, I miss that. Yeah, yeah. In, at least in 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 part three, and I think it's in the credits of part four. There is a Vice Academy fan club that you could oh, wow. sign up for. That's cool. I'll. I mean, I'm sure that I, I'm sure. I don't think it's still active. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. It, I'm sure. Or it has like, a member of one, Rick Sloan. Yeah, I think. I think it was probably like just like every three months, you got like a picture of like you know Elizabeth Caton at the craft services table, looking surprised as somebody took her picture, and it's like, here, here's your new installment of the newsletter. Reading her Bible, <laughs> smacking down Latinos. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh. Just, just remember this. What a shame. <laughs> just remember this. Vice Academy is it's it's very much like The Godfather. Should have ended after part three. <laughs> you mean two. You mean two. <laughs> oh, you don't want my opinion on that one, boys. So uh there we go, folks. Here's uh episode two of three episodes of the Vice Academy series. This is really making me reconsider doing these franchise episodes. <laughs> now, don't make me the blame for like killing the uh, tradition here. <laughs> no, I, in no way am I doing that, Scott. In no way am I. The rest I of us that. are, but Derek. Is. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Okay. Too late there. I'm, hey. I'm gonna love the fifth and sixth one. I'll, I'll tell you that. I'll I'll, I'll love it. I like your optimism, Paul. Yes. I really like your optimism. Next because year, we watch the Ernest movies. <laughs> the Ernest movies? Oh, oh my God. Uh, Holy fuck. You just uh, blew my mind. No, those might kill me. I, those are movies I don't like. Yeah, so. Dude, hey, there's at least three or four of those movies I actually would enjoy watching. Well, hey, hey, silence. There was just silence after that. Yeah. <laughs> I just ruined all of my reputation. Yes. <laughs> or made it. Or made yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, it's like Rick Sloan was listening to this, getting really mad, and then he heard that. He was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Derek's a good guy. <laughs> this guy, like, okay, he has a opinion. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, th- I mean, like I said, I've said this many times before on this show, is I, I really don't like sitting, and I will not. Not trash the makers or anybody that uh, of this film um, no. or these films. I just plain and simple. These were miserable to sit through. Both of these films. I didn't find I enjoyment. Some, I, either. I, I, I do agree. You know, here's the thing: is that I actually, um, you know, I found enjoyment in both these movies and the witchcraft movies. But I am actually, I do, I, I am still surprised that you dislike them more than the witchcraft. I guess it's just because kind of horror is more really where you kind of that's your venue and stuff so well you know the thing is i mean the films that i've at least not to not to make this the me me show but it is my show well the films that i have made so far have been an amalgamation of comedy and horror 
So these are the two. That's true. Yeah. These, yeah. These are the two totally. genres that, that I love. And it just, I'm more forgiving of shitty horror films. I'm not forgiving of shitty comedies. Yeah, Comedy is hard. I remember the first script I ever wrote was a comedy script. And there's a reason why by the time I entered like the fourth draft of that script, it was now a gritty R-rated drama. <laughs> because, wow. because I realized that, you know, sometimes I'm on these shows and there's a few people, I'm not going to say a lot of people, but there's a few people say like, oh, you're kind of funny, Scott. Like, yeah, it's different writing it. <laughs> it's different writing it. It's hard. <laughs> it's oh, really hard. It's, it's tough. So it takes a certain get, kind of talent, which I don't yeah. think I have. How do you get pacing while you're writing? I mean, geez, that's tough. A lot of stuff jokes. About, yeah, and a lot of it has to. A lot of it needs to come with rehearsal on the set, which you know some of these films probably don't have the time to rehearse on the set. What well, also comes with editing. casting, casting, yes, and go. editing, and mm-hmm. and that's a main thing with these films is that these films are completely like casted with just models mm-hmm. that have no sense of timing, don't deliver the jokes, they they just fall flat. And the thing is, the editing is so loose. That the the jokes uh, they breathe way too much. Yeah, that's the thing is especially with part four. The ju- it was just the two the pauses were too long. I said, you know what? I don't want to tell anybody how to do their job. I mean, I'm not the one who made the movie, but I have a feeling that if you went into like a video suite and somebody took the painstaking time to like just like cut like a sliver from each of the reaction shots and everything of this movie be a shorter film but by like about five or six minutes but i yeah. think it would be a funnier movie but then you would have to relive the the whole scene with the uh the alcohol store the, oh, the, the oh. liquor store no, the liquor about, store. Films, yeah. this film's too I'm damn short we need four. to replay an entire scene and make a commentary part, track i'm talking yeah. about part four i'm talking yeah. about part four especially. well no no that's what i'm saying if you do that they're gonna have to put that in there because they learned they learned from their mistake in the third movie they just they, they said oh yeah we'll hide it now we'll just put We'll just put these microseconds. It'll be like uh, Superman three, where they where they hit all the all the half cents. Only they just did it in half seconds, all the way through. Oh wow! Yeah. I, uh, uh, you mentioned about the the you know how you get the comedic timing. You 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 write the jokes in the script, and then for me, it, I, the way I notice it, and I haven't made a film yet, but I used to do improv comedy on stage. And it's direction and your talent when to actually deliver the joke properly because you can yeah. even write a good joke. And if you don't have a good director or, or talent who knows how to deliver mm-hmm. it right. with the right beats, uh, it's going to fall flat even if it's a great joke. Uh, right. you right. know, so Halle Berry and X-Men. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so so with, these, with these, yeah, a little more tightening. You know, I think... Some of the jokes are there, but yeah, they do breathe too long. Uh, you, you know, they're they're not delivered with the pace of what you want for a good comedy. Uh, and so, what ends up happening is you, you end up thinking about the joke too long, or you know, it, it's just it it you're just like, wait, that was meant to be a joke. I mean, there's a reason why those Zucker brother ones, especially Airplane. I mean, if you count the number of jokes that come at you. Mm-hmm. You don't catch them all the first time because, I mean, people are delivering the lines with perfect beat and, and rhythm, and you just... It's also follow. editing, though. It's and, also and editing, editing yeah, and editing as well. Whereas with these, the intention is for them to be comedies, 
but they're not being directed like actual comedies. Yeah, you, you, co- editing oh. editing counts. Editing yeah. definitely counts and stuff. Yeah, def- absolutely. Oh. I mean, I'm even in the tiny little worthless you know web series thing I do, which is not professional by any means. I always wondered, you know. Would I be able to edit my own work? Oh my god, I chopped that shit with a meat cleaver. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, nope, doesn't work. It's out. Nope, nope, that doesn't work. It's out. That doesn't work. Needs to be tightened. It's I'm merciless with it. I mean, well, I had, let's let's I've be honest. I'm cut in half. <laughs> well, let's just be honest. These films were part for an era of time where they had to deliver a certain length of film, and this was the same yeah. as the witchcraft films. Is the reason why they're so much fluff in these films is that they had he had to deliver a nearly 90 minute film yes to be able to sell it so that's why it's just like he didn't go in making a 90 minute film he went in with probably 40 pages of script max and in probably in, in in just said okay let's just make it now i could just be guessing but it just that's how these films felt. no that actually and he actually mentions that too he actually says we had to get it to this length he says if we wanted this thing to play on like usa up all night it had to be at least this length uh but it couldn't be longer than this length because we had to have room for the commercials and host segments and it couldn't be shorter than this length and so he says that's why they're all in this like 85 to 90 minute range is, is they yeah. had to be sweet zone. So yeah. even he, I think even sweet he gets zone. That, yeah. I don't, uh, there's nothing sweet zoned about any of this stuff. So anyways, <laughs> let's no, wrap this up. Sweet ever again. Oh, let's wrap, <laughs> let's wrap this. I've had enough conversation about the vice Academy movies. Tonight. <laughs> Until enough. next time, five and six will be awesome. Now, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Paul. I'm going to stay optimistic. We let's, have let's, one let's, more. You can be up all night. Paul, okay. needs, Paul needs to be our spirit animal in this. Yeah. <laughs> I will <laughs> love the ferret. I will dress yeah. like Rhonda for the next episode. I'm going to oh, go stay tuned, folks. You're going to all come true of, of Mark the Movie Man dressed in a bikini. No, I was going to go for the white boudoir look that she did on some of her Up All Night episodes. Oh boy, I can't, I can't wait for this. So let's 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 end for yeah. Can you hear the excitement in my voice? Um, <laughs> I might have to shave. <laughs> I might have to shave. No, 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 uh, um, <laughs> your face or? Okay, we're not going there. We're not going down that road. We are not going down that road. So, so stay tuned. The, the, the next uh, episode is probably not going to come till November because, as you know, we are coming up on October, and October means 31 Days of Horror Challenge. Uh, so all the members here are part of my group. I do it every single year. Last year was kind of a fucked up year for me, so we didn't do it on this show. But the year before, we certainly fucking did. And that's coming back this year. So the next episode you're going to hear of Astro Radio Z is going to be the 31 Days of Horror Challenge at the end of October. I'm gonna, maybe I'll do an episode in the midst of that. I, I'm in talks with a couple people. I may be bringing Dustin Mills on the show, so we'll probably oh, have sweet. a conversation about, about his amazing movies he just put out a new one called invalid which is quite interesting i just watched it last night um go check out his stuff dustin mills productions uh, i believe it's dustin mills uh productions.com i could be wrong but just type his fill his name in he's essentially 
Ohio's Takashi Miike. He, he, <laughs> he makes the most gonzo films and puts out like eight films a year. It's, it's just unbelievable the amount of content this boy puts I, out. I really liked Easter, Easter Casket. Crumple Shack. Crumple Shack, I think is, he goes by as uh, well. Uh, yep, yep, that's it. Crumple Shack, the, the difference is uh, uh, DMP um, are his uh, fe- here's, it's like feature length. And when I mean feature length is like his 90 minute type films. And then Crumple Shack are like his uh, more seedier hour long flicks or just under hour long flicks. Um, he, he does he does that because he wants to keep DMP to be certain kind of films and Crumple Shack. Are, are just kind of his more trashier, mm-hmm. um, quickly quickly made flicks. So, anyways, hopefully we're going to be getting Dustin on here. He's a great guy. I've seen him at many conventions, film festivals. Talked to him many times. Um, so we'll have him on. We'll talk a bunch of bunch of shit about exploitation films. Probably he loves kaiju films, and he lo- we'll we'll be talking some nonsense, I'm sure. Um, but we're definitely going to have 31 Days of Horror Challenge. Um, if any of you listening aren't a part of the group, uh, get a hold of me. Uh, you can get a hold of me at the Astro Radio Z page, astroradioz.com, Radio Z podcast at gmail.com. Um, I'm on the Twitter. You can get a hold of me on the Astro Radio Z uh, Twitter page. Get a hold of me, and I'll include you in. And essentially what it is is every day, 31 days of October, everyone watches one horror film, at least one horror film a day through for the entire month. And then they post and we sit and talk about it like complete and utter dribbling geeks for it. So it's, it's no different. It's just a higher volume of geekiness. <laughs> uh, it's basically our lives just condensed into one month of pure onslaught of horror geekdom. So uh, get a hold of me if you want to be involved in it. It's always super fun. Everyone here is included. I have a pretty strict no asshole rule in there, and it's it's held strong for the years that I've been doing this, and I'm super jacked. Everyone seems super jacked, so anticipate that. So let's let's round this out. Do the pimpage. I kind of already did my pimpage. You can get a hold of me at all the places I just got it talked about. Um, I've been getting some people getting back to me about the episodes and about the show, and I want to thank you for getting a hold of me. I'm glad you're all loving it. You're digging it. You're digging all the the different up uh, like shows that we have going on with Film Jerks, with Mark and all the rest of the crew here. They do an awesome job with the, with the stuff. I loved the last episode with Blue Velvet. I thought you guys did an amazing job with that episode. Um, really good stuff, but also the Stooge cast and um, the Astro Reezy classic episodes, which is just nonsense with me and Corey. But anyways, I'm glad you guys are digging the shows. It makes me very happy. I'll keep doing them. So anyways, let's go on. I want, want my boys here to all kind of let you know where you can find them so you can continue on with the geekdom in different avenues here. Brian, Curse, big gay horror fan. Let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, on Facebook, under Big A Horror Fan. Also, check out the YouTube page. I put up some cool interviews. I just interviewed um, Cassie DePaiva, who is Bobby Joe and Evil Dead 2, and oh. uh, Scout Tyler uh, Compton. I, oh, I had a cute her. little interview with, and then Deborah Dutch, uh, 80s uh, Scream Queen. We talk about the Jim Wynorski fic, uh, Hard to Die. So, there was a nice interview about that. Oh. So, those are the latest three. That are pretty cool. So awesome on the YouTube channel, Big Horror Fan. Well, I'm hoping I can get you back on these episodes a little bit more, Brian. We, we haven't talked to each other much this year. I know it's it, it's been my heartache, my one heartache this year. So I guess that means it's been a good year. But uh, 
I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you too, bro. We'll get hey, we'll get you on here more. I've been I've I've just started finally coming back around, making more and more and more episodes. So it'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glenn Bittner, pimp your stuff. You can find me on the YouTube with the BBB Bunker and Naked Hobo Productions. Same thing on Facebook, or just follow me on the Twitter at Naked Hobo. Wonderful, Mark the Movie Man. Shoot. You can find pretty much uh, all my stuff in one spot, which is at specialmarkproductions.com. I put links there to my uh, uh, playlist that I do the stuff for We Live Film. I've got uh, the links to the Spoiler Room, the podcast that I uh, host that we're, we just finished up episode 63. Uh, and so we've got a lot of stuff going on there, hoping to post some more stuff. I got some great stuff planned over the next year. You can uh, find me on Twitter at movie maniac 3d. Uh, follow me there. I also post a lot of stuff, including crazy selfies. Whenever I go to a wide release film, which gets me a lot of looks at the movie theater. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, so check it out there, specialmarkproductions.com. I really think, Mark, you need to start talking about sponsorship. Like I said on your one post, you need to talk to that theater and start getting sponsorship for the sheer <laughs> amount of money go. that you earn oh, yeah. in that place. And you know, all kidding aside, he just—I mean—they're—they're they're absolutely great. So, <laughs> oh, well, thank you guys. Uh, and I—it's great seeing you guys. Great to hear you uh, again, Brian, and see you on here. Uh, we missed you, pal, as well. So good—good good to have you back. Oh, thanks, man. I'm glad to be here. Paul Salzer, your when, turn. <laughs> when I'm not on uh, LookingForPornStars.com, <laughs> you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and WordPress at Forsaken Film Reviews. Oh, speaking of looking up porno stars, this is Scott Davis. (laughs) (laughs) Segway. You know, this is my reputation now. I just got to own it, I guess. (laughs) Just own it. Just just do it. Just don't be slow. Don't be slow. Wow. Okay, yeah, my my website, um, you know, is very – I mean – very similar to to the Derek thing is that I uh, haven't updated it as much as I would like, uh, but I'm hoping to get back into like just like Derek has gotten back into it. I'm hoping to get back into mine soon. So it's going to be uh, it's moviocrity.com. That's where you can see all the reviews I've written, a lot of the po- podcasts I've been on, um, which people are nice enough to have me on. I always appreciate it. And um, I'm trying to get more episodes done of my web series, Movieocrity, and you can catch the uh, back episodes of that at vimeo.com slash channels slash Movieocrity. Awesome. I really appreciate you guys. Like I, like I poured love over you guys last year for the witchcraft episodes, which I'm, I'm actually shocked off. What's that? So I'm still trying to wash that off. Oh, dude, I'm always <laughs> trying to wash that off. It's it's, it's shocking. But uh, so uh, thank you again, listeners of Astro Radio Z. Hope you enjoyed this one. We'll be back for one more. You think you can handle it? Well, I hope you can. Snake See you next later. time.
it was great. I liked it better than Cats. I'd go watch it again.